Hey everybody, Richard Harris here with Scott Lease for another episode of Surf and Sales uh, podcast. We are excited to be joined today um, by the founder and CEO of Chili Piper, Nicholas Vandenberg. Nicholas, good morning and thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, I know that, you know, it is, it is March 3rd um, and I know we were sort of talking quickly before we joined this about how your team's 100% remote. And with this whole, you know, coronavirus thing that's going around, there's, there's a lot of value to that fact. Um, yeah, you're right. We, we, we had seen the future. Yeah. You have. <laughs> we have. Yeah. Let's not have an office where everybody's going to get sick. Let's put people everywhere. Right. Right. So we, so, we have 42 people in 36 cities in 16 countries. So hopefully the, the, the coronavirus will not set on Chili Piper, you know, <laughs> there will be a place where somebody is safe. Yeah. And, and hopefully it doesn't set on anybody that we know um, or right, people we right, don't. Right. But, but just out of curiosity, when you were when you were deciding to build the organization, did you start off in an office and go, wait, this doesn't work or, hey, this is limiting us like it's unusual. Um, but I think we're moving in that direction to have more remote workers, right? Where did that come from from you? Or was, or was that just something you, you just, that's just how you sort of saw it always? No, no, it was by design. It was by design. Um, um, I've done several companies before, different startups. Mm -hmm. And um, often, as you know, it's always hard to find engineering talent. So I would find engineering talent in other countries. Uh, my first startup, uh, I was not very creative. I went to France, that's where I'm from originally. Uh, then uh, I tried other countries and I could tell it was working quite well um, to have an office uh, you know, in, in another country. And that's a very traditional model. A lot of companies have multiple offices. And then I thought, um, you know, I thought uh, as, as I was hiring people, I thought, you know, there's, it's, it's difficult to find talent and yet there's talent everywhere in the world. Uh, they are smart people. That's my big belief. Uh, there are smart people everywhere in the world. And why not um, access this talent pool? So that was the, the, when we started Chili Pepper, we said we're going to just go find smart people wherever they are and make it work. We'll find a way to make it work remotely. And then the second piece um, that led us to do that is um, Alina, my wife and co-founder, and I are very uh, passionate about traveling. We love being in different places. And we thought, you know, nowadays you're a knowledge worker. Here we are on our computer. We could be anywhere. And we should not only be able to do that, but let all of our employees do that. If they want to travel, they can do that. So it was very much by design. It was a combination that we find the right people and we let them, we give them a lifestyle that we ourselves uh, would love to have. Oh, oh, do love enjoying because that's what I do. I spend half, about the third of my time in California, in LA. I spend a lot of time in France. Uh, the rest of my time is here in Brooklyn. Um, I'm just back from Mexico City where we spent a week. You, you want to have this, this option to be where you want. And I think uh, nowadays, uh, this computer works, it's completely possible. So it was very much by design and it's working great. Everybody's happy. Uh, we have two employees in our CS team. We decided out of the blue, uh, that they will go to Colombia, South America. I just talked to them yesterday. They said that oh, we're going to go to Madrid. You know, it's it's life is wonderful. What, what are some of the what are some of the tools and and tricks of the trade that you use to manage? Yeah, you know, an entirely remote company, and and not just remote, but like sixteen different countries. I can't even. 
how many time zones is, is all that like? In any 24-hour period, you've got somebody probably working. A lot, a lot of time zones, but there's something that helps us. A lot of the uh, um, engineers, uh, the people who are further east, in Eastern Europe and so on, and, uh, you know, engineers tend to, uh, unlike Richard, uh, they don't wake up at seven. <laughs> right? They wake up late That's and true. finish late. I've been up since so, 6.30, thank you, just so you know. Uh, well, so, so, um, so it works well because they, they, um, they can start there la later and finish later. And uh, in California, we do typically start the day at seven, yeah. So we, that, that's how we adjusted. We, we have some people on the West who start early and some people on the East who finish late. Overall, there's a big overlap and it's working fine. I have found that it's harder from California to, to work with people. We have one guy in, in Moscow, Russia, so that, that's far. And until now, we have not, uh, for that reason, uh, hired in Asia because then, then there would be like, you know, it's just like you're upside down on your head, right? It's like being in the night. I'd love to find a way to work with Asia because as I said, I mean, Asia is a very populous uh, part of the globe and uh, with a lot of talent. But that, that time difference has been a constraint. As for your question about the tools, um, we start with the basics. So we do our meeting on Zoom, as you would expect. Um, we use Slack to communicate in real time, basic. And then we have a few things that are more advanced. So um, how we make decisions, for example, is a, is a, has become quite a fascinating uh, process. You know, typically in companies, you call a meeting and say, we need to decide um, what feature we put in the product next or not, or we need to decide uh, what pricing we do. You get a meeting, get six people around the table, they go, talk, they argue. So some smart guy called Jeff Bezos said, that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is somebody write a decision memo, six pages, and then you start the meeting with a decision memo, and then you discuss the decision memo, make decisions. So that was a good improvement on decision-making process. And I believe that we've taken it to the next stage. So we have somebody write a decision memo. We don't call a meeting. We upload the decision memo on Google Doc, and then people will comment on it, right? And the beauty of it is that you have time to think of what you're going to comment on, right? You can even research, edit, uh, and you see all the comments and discussion. So the discussion is actually asynchronous. People do it at their leisure. But you see all these great ideas and feedback coming out. You don't have that problem. You know in meetings where people want to sound smarter, so they, they just say something just to sound smart? Well, yeah. on, on the Google Doc, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it gets edited out. So, uh, so... Um, so we, that's how we make our decision, and it, it's a very impressive how it works. Typically, if it's a complex decision, we will still call a meeting at the end to uh, to nail down the last bit. But by by the time we call that meeting, we already have a good sense for where things are going. What do you what do you call a complex decision, right? Because I could see, you know, for you, maybe pricing is not a complex decision, and you can use a decision memo for other people. And and I think you know you've exercised this muscle, so you're comfortable with it. But for other people, I could see them going, oh, my God, we can't do this, you know, remote on a document. Like, what do you call a complex decision? Yeah, so pricing would be one of a complex decision. Product okay. positioning and pricing is an example of a, of a complex decision. Uh, product roadmap priorities is, is typically a complex decision, right? What do we do next? Um, let me give you an example of a non less complex decision. We, we just procure an LMS. Um, we, we wrote a decision memo on it, right? So we had a... 
couple of our guys did all the research, uh, came, came up with what our goals are, beautifully written decision memo, what our goals are, what our options are, the pros and cons of the different options and their recommendation. And, How does uh, that, as, as, at your level, does that help also create that level of autonomy, giving people the ability to own a project? And so from a certain perspective, maybe you get to sit back and yeah, you're sort of the final decision maker, but, but ultimately it lets you delegate a lot of these decisions and then grow your people. Yeah, you got me. It's all about uh, not having to do the work and let other people do it. No, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. They, 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 uh, they're in charge, right? So they, they create this in the memo at the end, I just review. And by the time I, I look at it, it's, um, they have the autonomy. They, so I have still the, the final approval, but by the time I look at it, there's enough comment that you can tell where things are going. And if I'm yep. going to go against, against the crowd, uh, I better be well prepared. Yeah. I, typically, I, I typically don't do that. I don't say, I, I, if, I, if I feel the decision is, is wrong, it's not the way I want to go, then I'll, I'll explain why I think it's not right. And I'll reopen the decision memo. It has happened to us where we've done three, three back to back because, uh, um, the, I think that that's not quite right. We haven't co considered these other aspects, so we, we open a new decision memo to to do that. But yes, you're right. The people are autonomous that way, and, and they uh, they can control the the decision that matter to to their particular job. Yeah. How how large is the sales team at Chili Piper right now? So we we have a. Um, Five SDRs, six A's, two AM, three CS. So it's, what is that? Yeah. it's it's fairly common, I think, for distributed and remote organizations to have engineering and product and marketing. It's a lot less common to have the sales org completely distributed. Is, have you found there to be any unique challenges specific to running a distributed sales organization? So I'll tell you a, a funny story about that. Um, when we started, um, you know, Chili Pepper uh, helps salespeople. So we, we exposed to a lot of sales team. So yeah. at some stage, I thought we need to build our SDR team, right? We, we, it was, at the beginning, it was me doing all the sales, the first million dollars. I was just uh, uh, hitting people at meetups and so on and, and, and trying to get deals. At some stage, I said, okay, it's time that we grow up and we have an SDR team. And I looked among our customers um, at the companies that were the most effective at booking meetings. And I found a company called Snack Nation. Have you guys heard yeah, of Snack Nation? Yeah, I know oh, them yeah. very yeah. well. That's why, that's why Kevin Dorsey worked, yeah. Right. And, and these guys were completely crushing it. They were, the, the, the target per month was 80, 80 meetings a month. And I'm thinking, this is out of, out of the world. So at some stage, one of their uh, managers, Michael Tusso, uh, called me and said, hey, I'd like to work for Chili Pepper. And I, thought, <laughs> I was waiting for that call because, you know, I want yeah. you to know what you guys know that other people don't, right? <laughs> so so uh, Michael is in uh, Culver City in LA and uh, I said, come and build our team. I said, okay. And, and he said, number one uh, requirement uh, is we have space in LA because we have to all be in the same place. And I said, well, why is that? He said, well, sales sales have to be in the same place. So you have to be with them. You have to be behind them. It's awesome. So we hire two people in uh, Culver City in LA. We start the work. It doesn't work out. These two guys don't work out. 
then by chance we found another guy, but he's not in LA. So we decided to hire him. And then he starts performing. And next thing, Michael Chuso tells me, you know what, I'm going to move to San Francisco. And uh, even though there was nobody in San Francisco. And next thing, the whole thing got distributed and we started getting better and better performance. Even though something like nine months earlier, he had said it's impossible yeah. to, to, to do it. He changed, his, he changed his tune entirely. So. That's right, exactly. Yeah. And then I found it because it was obvious that he was working with this guy, was not uh, in, in LA. Another part is because like uh, the rest of us, he wanted to live somewhere else and you don't want to have a, to change job and, and have a concern yeah. because you want to live somewhere else. So he, he was living the, the very uh, foundation of Chili Piper, which is you want to be free to live where you want. And so ever since we've had all our sales uh, distributed, as to your question about challenges, I, I find that uh, Zoom uh, works really well. You can have uh, your one-on-ones are very effective over video. It, 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 it's almost as I good think as people, being a I think, I think the stereotypical kind of concern and worry is like, what are the salespeople doing all day long? It's harder to motivate them maybe. It's... Um, we don't get as much activity, right? If you're still looking at things like dials and meeting set and all this kind of stuff. So my, my, none, my, of, none, of, none of that ha- has proven to be true. For- but, well, no, because everybody, everything is digital. I, I know exactly yeah. how many activities my guys yeah. do at, at any time. I, like I go, I look you know, at- You know the number, but is it, I think somebody might argue that the number is less than it would be if everybody was in the office. That's like the old school. That's a very old school, but that, that, that's, a, that's, that's something actually very fundamental that I think uh, um, is going to profoundly affect the world of sales and it's already uh, affecting the world of sales. How do, you, do, how do you handle training from that perspective, right? It's like particularly, and, and I, again, I, I think I'm falling into that stereotype of like, okay, if I've got an old school AE who's done this, you know, for three, four, five years, I, I can give them some basic training. But what about that SDR? What about that person who's brand new to sales? How do you guys effectively train around that? The, so same for AE and SDRs, the exact same, same way uh, we do it. Uh, the the um, big difference now in the past was that in the past, you'd send a salesperson to meet a client. He would take his car, come back. He said, how did it go? And he said, went great. Now, nobody goes with a car. They get on Zoom. They do a video call. The call is recorded. If he comes back, say, how did it go? He said, went great. Well, let me watch the recording, <laughs> right? And you know, everything is recorded. So to your question, Scott, activities, we know how many emails and calls they make because everything is recorded. The content of what they do is recorded, right? So to your question, uh, Richard, how do we train them? Well, uh, we use the recording and we say, let me look at how you handled it. And we go through the recording and, and how to improve. And we do that over uh, Zoom, over video. So um, it, it's, it's um, a different world now. We, we, can, we know exactly yeah. what they do. And, and uh, we have very few uh, deals. Actually, I can't can think of any deal where we were the person. I think it's really encouraging and a great story to, to hear about how you're running the sales organization and the success that you all are having because, because it, it sort of flies in the face of old school, traditional logic around managing sales teams. I mean, even Michael, you know, has done a, a 180 on it over the course of the last year. Or so I think, think that you said, um, so I think it's, it's, it's really good to get these kind of successful stories out there. 
Yeah. And, um, and don't know, get me wrong, uh, there, there is value in getting together uh, sometimes. Sure. You guys have these programs, Surf and Sales. I, I, I get it. It's, it's awesome, right? You, you together, there's more energy, you get it. Yeah. Um, but you, 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 you don't need Surf and Sales 365 days a year, right? <laughs> like, you know, see what I mean? At some stage, you also have to call your customers, uh, send a lot of emails, and, and, and you, you uh, cannot be. Uh, with uh, to, to report, so we do these, these gatherings, you know. We, yeah. uh, <laughs> you're, fa- you're, fam- you're famous in the sales world for these gatherings. For for example, if I'm not mistaken, you had like a your version of President's Club or something like that in in Ibiza, right? No, but it was not. It, 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 it was President's Club, except that every single employee in the company made it to President's Club. So we all went there. there. We all went there. We all went there. It, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. We, three days in Ibiza. Uh, yeah. We went to do the closing of the Pasha Club, you know, uh, with champagne. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, the year before, we had gone to uh, Paris, and it was also unbelievable. It was less festive, but it was uh, magical I can, I can, to get everybody together. I can, hear, I, I can hear every salesperson listening to this right now typing away going to chili piper's website seeing if they have we are hiring we're hiring (laughs) (laughs) there was a guy the guy the guy who who, uh, applied and got the job uh, like two weeks before ibiza and he said am i am i going to go to ibiza and i said well yeah (laughs) what do it you know that's that's a hell of an onboarding experience yeah that's exactly right yeah (laughs) i uh i've i've sent people in sales contests and and spiffs and things like that to Paris and to Ibiza and all that kind of thing. But you've taken it to another level when you bring the, the when you bring everybody. Yeah. yeah. But you don't have that opportunity to have everybody together very often, but maybe once a a year or something like that. So it's probably even more powerful and and, and very very much so. Very much so. It is very special. Imagine all these people you've only been uh, chatting with on chat. On right. Slack and and Zoom, and all of a sudden you're together with them uh, on the beach or on the boat because we rented the boat and went cruising. You know, yeah. um, it's it's very special. And what I loved about it is that um, even though we have I don't know I think we have uh, so we have 16 countries, so we have about 16 nationalities, um, people from different nationalities and different um, craft. So engineers with sales mix up together. Um, you know. Uh, very naturally, it's it's amazing. In yeah. any way, also I tell other people in, in in companies when you're in the same office, there's some cliques that start forming, you know, like groups and people, oh, sure. that, right? Yeah. Whereas when everybody's everywhere, it's a lot less likely, right? You you just um, you just uh, it's pretty much the same. So it's an amazing experience when we get together. Uh, yeah. Right now, we 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 have a big contest to decide where we're going to go next. We're looking at uh, skiing in Chile. Or, or, or going to the beach in Colombia, uh, or the places. So it's, it's a tough world to decide. These, yeah, these decisions, decisions right? Really <laughs> terrible options, right? <laughs> to, let's let's go back a, li- a little bit. Um, tell everybody what Chili Piper is and, and and what you do, and and talk a little bit about the the ICP and the you know, sales cycle and, and what the deal making process is, is like. Yeah. So I, I started the company because I, I uh, have this uh, strong thesis that the, the world of cha- sales 
the way itself is done is, is going to change dramatically and digital tools are going to have a major role in that change, right? So I call it building the system of action for salespeople. The reason why we call it system of action is because uh, in our view, system of record, which is the CRM where you keep the record, is already established, it does great, but it doesn't help people do their job. It just helps uh, track and, and it helps managers. So there is a need for tools that help people. Sales like the next wave, the next evolution. That's exactly right. So right. there are many tools coming out right now uh, to help salespeople do their job. It's, it's an exciting time. At Chili Pepper, we started with a uh, scheduling so we started with helping salespeople book their meeting and manage their meetings that makes sense because that's meetings are a key part of the sales process and then more specifically we found a, a, a part of the process in sales that uh, was very broken and we uh, decided to fix it that's the inbound process so the inbound process is um, uh, before we existed uh, was uh, as follows a prospect marketing will spend a lot of dollars they'll get a prospect the prospect will come to the website the prospect would fill a form click submit and it would say somebody's going to thank you somebody's going to call you and then they'd be left wondering well, who's going to call me when yeah then there was an sdr team who was under a stick to call these people quickly and then the sla of 10 minutes or two hours or whatever it was and and uh, and they sometimes they would sometimes they wouldn't in in the of its companies would lose more than half the, their inbound pipeline that way. So we solve that problem. That's what our, our product does. It's called concierge. Uh, it's actually a French word, but not in the French way. Um, we, when a prospect submits a form, we have a smart JavaScript that automatically get the data, can do a data augmentation, qualify the prospect, find the rep who should talk to this prospect, dial the rep, dial the prospect, they're in touch. Or if the rep is not available, we can retrieve the calendar, expose the calendar, and they're connected and they're booked. So that doubles conversion rates on the inbound. That's a big product. That's what we do right now. We've just announced uh, other pieces of the puzzle that we're working on. One is uh, inbox. So we're working on a super cool inbox to help salespeople do their job. So we are going to extend in another direction. But right now, our bread and butter is uh, this uh, you're, you're, sell you're selling into sales and marketing. Yes, that's right. We're saying to sales and marketing. Yeah. Uh -oh. And it, what, it, what is the target market for you guys? Who's like the ideal customer? Are you selling to, you know, small businesses and, and well, so if you think, if you think of, if, or big enter, enterprise, you know, kind of companies or everything in between? Yeah. If you think of our product, so which company is a website where they uh, propose to book a meeting and interest in talking to people? That's a lot of companies, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's our market, right? And and uh, we have uh, HP, uh, Facebook, uh, Intuit as customers because they need to engage with customers. And we have uh, much smaller companies. Uh, I can't think of as small companies right now, but uh, we have uh, companies with, with less than 10 employees who think, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to make sure that my uh, inbound prospects are well, uh, well processed. Um, typically, as for many tech companies, our early adopters are also tech companies. Uh, so because they move faster, right? Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that way. It, it uh, so our, our first customer, the first customer was a company called Five Stars, and our second was a Greenhouse in New York. Um, and then Five Star Five Stars loyalty program. Yeah, that's right. 
they were, were a client of mine for over two years. I love these guys. They were awesome. Early, early they are awesome. They're still a customer all these years later. We're yeah. happy to have them. So, so the tech companies came to us, but just because they're more uh, forward thinking. Um, now we have the LA Film Institute as customer to book, uh, book with their students uh, remote year, the school program to travel around the world. They book all their meetings with us, uh, with Chili Piper. Um, so we, we have a, a broad set of uh, customers. Any, any, uh, it's either B2B or B2HI-C, um, right? So the high-touch C. And, uh, and anybody with enough uh, inbound uh, to, to justify it. You've, you've been an entrepreneur. Do you even know how many times? Do you know how many companies <laughs> that, that you've started? That's a good point. I, 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 I can't help it. You know, like, I can't help it. I try to be a venture company. So I had an exit um, in the early 2000s that was good. And, and you know, you, I thought, okay, I should be a venture capitalist because thought that's what entrepreneurs do when they go. Because that's what you do, right? After right, you say, right, right. You say, okay, you go and tell people uh, yeah. that they're idiots and uh, <laughs> <laughs> they do it to the wrong. So I, ideas I, 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 every time afraid. I tell someone they're an idiot, I get in trouble. That's because you're not a venture capitalist. Exactly. exactly. When, you have, when you have $500 million behind you, you know, ready to be... Uh, Hand it over, then you can tell a lot of uh, yeah. uh, different things. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> the size of the checkbook matters. That's, that's what it seems, yeah. The world's unfair, but that's how it goes, isn't it? So, I, I did that uh, for more than a year. I was a venture capitalist, and, and I just couldn't do it because I, whenever I see somebody, I say, say we well, need to do this and that and the other. And, they say, and, I say, and I felt like saying, let me jump in and do it for you, right? And, uh, and I said, what's well, something wrong there? So, I, I went back to or an operational role. After being a VC, I, I took this job as VP of sales in a telecom company um, because um, it was this unbelievable more project. I've got to tell you that story where this friend of mine called me. Um, he was CMO at a big, big uh, telecom firm. And he says, I'm, I'm doing a startup. And I said, that's awesome. That's going to be a big change for you coming from this uh, big telco world. He said, well, I'll start up as a, Two billion dollars in funding. <laughs> startup has two billion dollars. Yeah, that's not a startup, <laughs> right? That's a good. And he said we're going to rebuild the network over the U.S. and 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 kill Verizon Wireless and AT&T. So I said, how are you going to do that? So we're going to raise ten billion dollars with a hedge fund guy, and then we're going to uh, do a white label for the service. So we would not have to pay for uh, all the advertising and all the stuff that you get from wireless carriers. We will have existing companies do it. So I thought, wow, that's genius. Can I, uh, can I get involved? They said, well, do you know anything about telecom? I said, no, but I know sales. So I interviewed with a hedge fund guy and with my friend and they uh, got the job VP of sales. And I started selling um, the services of this $10 billion network to companies like Google. and um, can I, can I can I pause you there for a second? Yeah. I need to know like what you learned about the life of a vice president of sales that you didn't really know prior to being in that role. Like you, um, you, you had your own company, you had an exit. Yeah, so I had run a sales team before, so I, I was qualified to, to run that thing. What I learned about the VP of sales in a $2 billion telco firm versus my firm before 
was that transportation uh, is of a different kind. Namely, they had the private jet to fly me to Google. Oh, right? <laughs> Where before, you know, I had to take my Honda. I, you know? I, I don't have that life. This is I, not I, the conversation Scott always, wanted to hear from you. Yeah, I know I'm always using like hotel tonight so they can, I can have to book like whatever discount. I, uh, I know. They'll, they'll pay for me to stay in. Yeah. <laughs> and make sure that your, your expense report is going to be approved. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's going I, to be deemed because you're. When you're a VP of sales at an early stage car company like me, they're like scrutinizing your dinner bill, trying to figure out how you spent 35 bucks at dinner because that's too much. Yeah, Meanwhile, private jet. Indeed. I, I, and and, and uh, the guy, uh, Sundar Pichai, was uh, head of the Chrome business unit. So the guy was the CEO of Google. And so I, I, I have this meeting with him, and, um, and true story. Um, the guy said, wow, your dream, uh, a dream comes um, true. Uh, we, we, we want to buy your services. And I, I, with my friend, we step out and say, so what do you think we should do? And say, let's uh, ask for prepayment. Are you ready for the size of the prepayment? Yeah. $500 million. Oh, my God. We say, we say sign the contract, $500 million prepayment. And uh, so we walk back in and uh, Sandra goes, that seems, that seems reasonable. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> You might be I think, made I think I just, the first I just, VP of sales I know who closed one deal worth $500 million. I, I just yeah. got the title of the podcast episode yeah. is how to close $500 million in a prepayment. Yeah. I don't want no one else. <laughs> no other guest on the podcast is allowed to brag about their biggest deal ever again. No. Not no, 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 no. Look, look, but, but there, there's a, a, an unfortunate twist to the story. Um, Otherwise, I would probably be, uh, still be there. Uh, that, that, that's project my thing. Um, as we started, so the deal was ready in place, and we had other deals of similar. Uh, like uh, Amazon was uh, was preparing 120 million. It was a small deal, right? <laughs> and as we started uh, building the network and and deploying, um, the spectrum we're using was uh, close to the GPS spectrum. It turned out that as we started broadcasting, we were interfering with the GPS signal, at least so claimed some people, namely the U.S. Army, said that we were interfering with their missiles and airplanes, and so, which is a problem, right? <laughs> you don't want a missile here and there lost uh, yeah. Yeah. in translation of the, of the GPS spectrum. So, so, uh, so they passed a law that we were not allowed to use our spectrum, and the entire company went up in smoke. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. No, I know. You could write a book. You could write a book about this. What would you say? Curiosity. I'll talk to in a podcast about it. Yeah. But what? What was just out of curiosity? So you you collected that level of money from someone like Google, right? You're at the highest level. How do you go back and tell them that? Do they get it? Are they like, yeah, we know that kind of stuff happens because they're in that level. You know, at that level, Richard. Uh, there was a lot of scrutiny, right? We immediately, uh, when that happened, we immediately informed our customers that we had a problem. But it was in the press; they would have known even if we hadn't. And, and, and everything is, is managed very closely. And they were on our side, right? I mean, they want they they wanted they wanted the deal to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They wanted like this network, so so they didn't. Did you have to give money back? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> okay. So, so much for the private jet. <laughs> that's right, exactly. <laughs> that's what he learned, Scott. It was, it $500 was good, million it was, dollars is not $500 million. It was good, good way, way, way it lasted, yeah. Yeah. What, what were you, like as a kid, were you entrepreneurial? Were you always building so I, I businesses? Grew up in, I grew up in uh, Marseille. You know where, guys know where Marseille is? No, no it's in, I know it's in France. Yeah, it's in France. Good job. Yeah, it's it's in it's a big port on the on the Mediterranean, so in the south near the Riviera, and um, so uh, I've been living my life completely wrong. Nicholas has. Yeah, uh, you know, come and work for Chili Piper. Uh, you can be there if you feel like it. You can be anywhere. <laughs> but but the, the so I wasn't exposed to entrepreneurship as as such. Uh, it was just not something that people did around me. Uh, but I was always, uh, let's call it adventurous. So I just wanted to do new things. So uh, like, uh, I remember I had a, a little motorbike when I was 14 and I, I, I drew a tour around Corsica, this island uh, uh, between France and Italy, just uh, you know, out of the blue at age 14. So, um, then I, I, I took jobs like I was, uh, my first job, I, was selling newspapers um, in the, when I moved to Paris and I started selling newspapers and I loved selling newspapers. So that, that I had a lot of activity. My real uh, exposure to entrepreneurship was uh, in the mid-90s, I came to Stanford uh, to go to business school and um, I met all these tech entrepreneurs, including Steve Jobs. So then I thought, wow, that, that's, that's what I've wanted to be all my life without knowing it and that's what I'm going to do from now on. Yeah. This concept, you, you start a company, you build products, you bring them to market. It's just, it's just uh, too awesome to not live your life that way, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. What, um, ever, ever have, aside from this big one, right, but ever have one of the companies you start just fail, not work, and, and any experience with sort of overcoming that level of, of adversity? All right, yes, uh, that has happened uh, my second company. My first company had a good exit, uh, I, and then I doubled down on a second company, which was uh, around the year 2000. So it was an e-commerce company. Um, I, I started in 1999, actually, and I surfed the bubble. So I went from zero to 65 employees in 11 months. And we had, uh, I think we had like $5 million in, 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 in bookings. So the, the prepayment also, it wasn't the $500 million prepayment, but we, we, we added up, it was this e-commerce platform with tons of, uh, of customers. Uh, one of our board members joked that uh, VC's money put, put money in these companies and they give, give us the money immediately, right? Because they say, yeah, you have to prepay for our service. So, so uh, we grew super fast. And I had kept the three quarter of the company so it had actually 72% of the company. And we got a, a, a lot of interest from corporations like uh, Yahoo, Amazon, and CNET. And CNET, if you remember this company, made an offer for $60 million. And so that was $42 million for me. Right. And um, I said, you know, let's do it. Uh, 11 months paychecks, that seems reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> 11 months. That's all yeah. I'm Scott. We just need yeah. to bust our ass for 11 months. Buddy. Well, wait, because it works a bit differently. So then, uh, then uh, we start negotiating and then um, I get a call from Halsey Miners. He always said, hey, I don't know if you saw, but the stock dropped. It was 
February 2000. Um, so let's give it a couple of weeks so that I can. Talk about ghosting, right? You, you, we in sales, we all have to deal with ghosting. Yeah. Imagine, imagine when it's, it's the acquirer who's ghosting on you wow. right? and, and you have 42 million uh, money at stake. So um, the reason why he was ghosting me is, that, that, as you all know, the market never recovered. Um, every stock uh, dropped, every VC funding uh, dried out. And I ended up doing a deal with Microsoft, uh, barely covering the asset price. So you went, you went, from, you went from this really quick, a nice exit to nothing off the table to, to, to a long struggle and ended up with a deal with Microsoft when I personally yeah. didn't make any money. I mean, there was a yeah. deal that it was, it was a deal that worked for uh, really well for the employees for sure. They got yeah. great jobs and have friends now at Microsoft and Amazon. That's just, but, uh, so but you I, went from, from a team to the other. Yeah. So Nicholas, I, my computer froze, so I missed that part of the story. So I'm going to have you restate that part of the story after you said the market dropped, because otherwise other people are going to be like, what the hell just happened to the story? So, um, so the, 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 the market dropped, uh, um, I was saying how, uh, honestly, my notice CEO ghosted on me. Uh, he never came back. The all the VC funding dried out. It was to two thousand, right? The dot bomb. Right. Uh, all our customers went under, and I had to lay off more than half the company. And in the end, the deal what we did, we uh, sold the company to Microsoft MSN Shopping. Uh, at a, as I said, at the price that barely covered the asset price. So at the price where I didn't make any money myself. The employees were taken care of. The investors reasonably compared to uh, what. Uh, could have happened, um, and so, so it was 60, quite. It was going to sixty million dollar ghost prospect. That's that's yeah. right. Exactly. Exactly. So the next time, <laughs> next time one of your next time one of your clients goes to you, Richard, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think it could be worse, yeah. right? You, there could be forty two million at stake, and, uh, and <laughs> that's all right. I, so that, I, that's what happened. I have the whole breakups cadence of how I either blame them for the problem or make them feel massively guilty. So, it's so, okay. so the, the, the thing I've learned is that the markets are stronger than you, right? You can, you can be ready, but they, 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 in both directions, because they, they carried us excessively. At the beginning, we, 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 had, uh, we had so many customers sending a lot of money because they were just being funded and, and told to spend the money. And then the other way, uh, on the way down, it worked the same way, where it was excessive. Like uh, every, every VC shut down everything, um, and that's stronger than you. So you have to understand that. The next startup I did, I sold quickly. Also for that reason, I said I'm not, not going to take a chance. Second, uh, I did the biometrics company. It was this awesome system to recognize uh, face, faces that worked really well, and I existed uh, quite quickly. Now with Chili Piper, um, you know. As we you've, been at, you've been at this for over four years now. Yeah, I started like 2016. Right, that's right, exactly. Yep. Uh, and we've had some small offers, uh, but um, this is different. This time, um, I don't need uh, an exit. I'm all good. Uh, I just uh, want to build this company for the long term. I think we uh, have a very large opportunity ahead of us in sales tech. Uh, plus, I love it. You know, I work with sales before. I, Talk to people like you, you know, it's a, it's a very fun ICP. 
ideal right. customer profile uh, right. to, to sales, uh, sales people. What, what do you see as the trends in 2020 and 2021? In our space? Yeah. Or in general? Both, either one. Uh, so if we start in general, uh, as Scott pointed out, right now we, we, there is this risk with this virus that everybody's freaking out about that, that the year could turn uh, sour and, uh, and all this beautiful economic boom that we're experiencing could vanish, so that would be uh, that would be a problem. But but uh, as, assuming that doesn't happen, or even if that happens in our space, uh, I can see that the the <clears throat> the sales tech world is going to uh, uh, continue evolving, uh, and we're going to see a lot more tools and new companies coming up, and and more use cases being covered by tools. I think right now we we think oh there's these companies that uh, so let's say let's talk about the sales off and outreach for example right they've done a, a really great job and think oh there are these two companies um, that are going to dominate but I think that there will be a lot of other use cases where great solutions are going to come up and and very successful companies will emerge so you can look at the drift for example they say oh this chat for marketing is not well done I'm going to do it better and they, and they took off. Um, and I think that's going to be a lot of other other uh, use cases that get better covered than other companies that are going to be very successful. Yeah. So I take on that. So take. What, what do you, uh, this is kind of the end of the show and we try to flip things around and, and see if we can be helpful to you. Is there anything that, you know, Richard and I can do to add value and try to help you and, and support what you're doing? Well, I mean, two things for sure. I mean, uh, right now, you, you can help get Chili Pepper better known without a doubt because there's still a lot of people who, who are not aware. So there's still a lot of companies that have this broken process on their inbound where people submit a form and and uh, they say, thank you, we're going to call you instead of connecting directly with the sales team. So that that needs to be evangelized because it makes no sense. Like, it's... it's, it's, it's uh, it makes no sense to lose half your pipeline when you have a solution not to do that. And the other piece of more is, uh, like as I said, we, I mean, I'm in Chili Pepper for the long term. So I'm always interested in learning and uh, everything we can, every feedback we can learn, tools you've heard about that work well, the techniques you've heard about that work well. I mean, you guys, uh, you do the advanced training. So you talk to a lot of salespeople, uh, the, what problems they have, what solutions they found, uh, all that uh, knowledge is, is something that is very valuable and we'd love to hear more. So yeah. any, um, this podcast, the, the, any other content you can publish to share, share the information is very uh, valuable to us. I, I, have, I actually have one last question. Um, you're clearly very successful. You've had several successful exits. You've, you've reached an echelon that I think many of us aspire to be. Um, or, or reach what are what podcast do you like to listen to what where do you, where do you go to keep learning um uh, the, the so first of all i'll say podcast is a bit new to me i don't have a commute because we we uh, a lot of people listen to podcasts in their commute and we don't have a commute because we are a distributed company so i set my office across the street from my apartment 
so it's a new thing to me, and I'm discovering this podcast. Uh, so I'm not the best person to uh, to to like, when it comes to my traditional ways to to keep learning is uh, uh, books. Uh, I read a lot of books around sales, so I try to read uh, most of them. And then, of course, um, our friend and modern sales pros and these communities where people discuss how they do things, I find them very, very valuable. So I do spend a lot of time reading. And not necessarily, uh, often I read too late, so I can't reply something that would be useful, but, but I, I do read. Uh, um, I love to, under, I love hearing about problems people have uh, when it's not working and then smart solutions that other people have found. So it's a broad uh, set to answer your question. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good answer. So, well, Nicholas, this has been fascinating, man. So thank you so much for joining us. We are really glad to have you. Yeah, my pleasure. I enjoy it. So good luck with everything. I know you guys are crushing it and I'm sure we'll be in touch very soon. Yeah. You know, and just so you know, assuming the, the virus goes away by September, you could actually set up an office for a week at yeah. surface sales, right? You could come and work from Chili Piper HQ. Chili where, 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 where are you going in September? Uh, in, either either southern Mexico or somewhere in Costa Rica. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. <laughs> so. well, Nicholas, thanks right. again, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah.